Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. Janet, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Lucia? Good. I'm excited to talk to you about this month's movie, which is... Me too. Oh, good. Um, It's called Colossal. It's from 2016. And uh, I hope anybody listening did watch it first. Uh, And we definitely are going to spoil it. So, um, and it's a very, like, spoilery type movie. So I do recommend watching it if you can. So, Lucia, this was your choice, Mm -hmm. and I'm very curious to hear why you selected Colossal. Um, Okay, so I saw this movie on a plane back in 2017, I believe, and uh, I didn't really know anything about it going in. And it was a really interesting, weird, surprising movie, but... I'm not a huge Anne Hathaway fan to begin with. I'm, in fact, I'm just being polite there. I don't like her. <laughs> and so I liked how weird and interesting this movie was. And I, right from the get-go, I was like, oh, I don't like her in this. And that was actually before we started repodcasting. So <laughs> I was already doing that in my head then. And even at the time, Jason Sudeikis, I was kind of like, mm, I don't think he's the right choice here either. So this was one that was always kind of in the back of my head. It just took 43 episodes to get to it. That's really interesting that this movie made enough of an impact on you that you remembered it and that you remembered that you wanted to recast it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You had never heard of it. You mentioned last month. I had never heard of it. No. Okay. And you're not alone from the numbers I saw, but what were those box office numbers like? So the budget was $15 million, which I found surprising. Did you find that high or low? I found it high. Okay. Because the director is pretty... Well, this is an independent film. It is, yeah. So $15 million for an independent film... That's a generous budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, the box office was only $4.5 million, so yeah. it did not do well at all. It lost a ton of money. That made me really sad. Really? See, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, yeah. I'll be honest. I found this movie like to be almost unwatchable. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I had a very difficult time getting through this but we'll we'll get through that okay yeah for me I think I enjoyed how original it was I've never seen a movie like this it might have like some elements or even homages to other types of movies but it was so just like weird and unique that I liked that about it but I can see how it would be really hard to find its audience yes I had trouble writing a synopsis for it. So the synopsis I came up with is alcoholism is a big, scary monster, (laughs) which I think is essentially what this movie is about. I was reading some like think pieces or blog posts or whatever on it. And, you know, some people were saying that 
the monster scenes are metaphors and were not literal. And the movie definitely treats them like they're literal, but I think it is a metaphor for like alcoholism and, and toxic relationships and people trying to control situations and control others if they're unhappy in their own situation. I don't know. I thought this was a very interesting movie, but I am looking forward to hearing more about why you found it unwatchable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Let's get into the casting. Okay. The recasting, I should say. Sure. Before we do that, though, we'll take our first ad break. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing you are helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. And now, back to the show. So, as I chose this one, I can go first with the recasting if you want. Sure. Okay, so I'll start off with the character of Gloria, played by Anne Hathaway. So, yeah, she was definitely the main reason that I wanted to do this recasting. I guess... I don't know, maybe this is her fault, maybe this isn't, but I very much see Anne Hathaway as wholesome. She just kind of, maybe because she started off doing Princess Diaries movies and whatever, I just, I didn't really buy her as this woman who has real problems and is struggling to kind of get herself on track. So I don't know, I just, I never bought her in it. I didn't really like her as the character and It's kind of an interesting role that I think could have been handled better by somebody with a little more skills in that area of being able to play somebody who's more textured, (laughs) more textured of a character. So while watching today, I always leave my movie watching till the last minute. So uh, I was watching the movie today and pretty early on, Natasha Lyonne popped into my head and that was it. I was like, yep, she's the one. She would be great. She, for anybody who doesn't know her, um, she was in Orange is the New Black, and she's the star of the Netflix show Russian Doll. And she was also in a movie that I really like called Slums of Beverly Hills. And Natasha Leone is somebody who can play like a really three-dimensional character. And so I really feel like she would have been able to bring a realism to this role that would have maybe made it more watchable. <laughs> have you ever seen her in that movie? It's called But I'm a Cheerleader. No, I haven't seen that movie. You have to watch that movie. Okay. I think you would like it. I think I would too. It's been on my list for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why? Is her performance in that counter to what I'm saying or something? Um, no, I just, I think she's underrated as an actor. I think that, like, I'm not sure why her career sort of seemed to get derailed because she started off on a really promising note. Like she seemed Mm -hmm. like she was going places and then she just kind of dropped off. And I mean, she's definitely had like a career resurgence over the last few years for sure. Right. Yeah. She's been doing Uh, more series recently rather than film. 
But she's the star of Russian Doll. And I remember I didn't see that. But when it came out, there was a lot of talk about it. Oh, for sure. It got super hyped. Absolutely. I haven't watched it yet. but Mm. Maybe we'll have to watch it. Yeah, she's... I could see her in this role, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So who did you pick for Gloria? So I'm like you. I'm not a fan of of Anne Hathaway's. Anne Hathaway is just too Anne Hathaway. Yes. <laughs> Perfectly like said. Yep. The problem with Anne Hathaway is I compare her to Brad Pitt and George Clooney. They're that type of actor that I only see their persona. I see them. I never see the role that they're playing. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how to articulate this. But it's like I can't make that distinction between Anne Hathaway and the character that she's supposedly portraying. Right. So it's like, I don't know if that says something about her acting, that it's hard to, like, to me, if I am watching an actor and I can't see them in that role, if I'm only seeing them as themselves all the time... Mm -hmm then you're not doing your job to convince me that you can act in this role that you're portraying, this yeah. character that you're portraying. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem I have with Anne Hathaway in like every single role that I see her in. And it was the same thing with this movie. It's like, oh, I'm just watching Anne Hathaway be super Anne Hathaway, like rolling her eyes. <laughs> And, like, doing all, you know, those weird, quirky things with, like, you know, that she's always doing with her face. (laughs) I don't know. And I know that I'm not the only one who thinks this about her. Oh, definitely. I'm sure. So, I mean, the character of Gloria, she's, like, she's a messy sort of person, right? Yeah. She's got substance abuse issues. She's, she's super dramatic in the sense that she's like one of those, you know, she's flighty. Like she's just one of those messy types of people that Mm -hmm. always has a lot of drama surrounding her. And, you know, she's dealing with all these demons. Um, So I wanted someone who could portray that because Anne Hathaway wasn't doing it in a believable way for me. Yes. So I cast Evan Rachel Wood in that role. And for anyone who doesn't know who she is, on TV, I think people, a lot of people might know her from Westworld. Mm -hmm. She plays Dolores on there. She's done a lot of film work as well. But I feel like that's sort of the most recent thing she's done is Westworld. And she was on True Blood at one point. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't watch that either. She's done a lot of film work as well. I remember seeing her in a movie called Running with Scissors. Oh, that's right. Have you seen that movie? It's been ages, but yeah, I saw it a long time ago. And for some reason, I thought of her performance in that movie when I was watching Colossal. Okay, yeah. Because her role in that movie, like she plays this sort of really complicated kind of messy sort of character and I thought oh I'd love to see her her version of Gloria I think she would have done such a good job so that's who I cast 
Nice. Yeah. I remember Evan Rachel Wood kind of broke onto the scene in a movie called 13. Yes. And yeah. So as soon as you said her name, I was kind of thinking of her. I mean, she was very young then, of course, but still, I was thinking of her performance in that too. And yeah, she knows how to play a messy character. Yeah. She's, you know what, if for anyone who watches Westworld, I know that they'll agree with me. She's incredible on that show. I watched uh, the first two seasons of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I kind of lost interest, but she, she's incredible on that show. She is such a great actor. She really is. Like yeah. I, to, I think when I finally saw her and the work that she was doing on that show, it was like, whoa, like she can act. Well, I'll have to check it out. I've never seen Westworld. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then uh, I also wanted to recast Jason Sudeikis's character, Oscar. So I saw the movie back in 2017 and I hadn't seen it again until today. And I have to say, like, on the second viewing, I did think Jason Sudeikis was good. I'm still happy to recast him, but he was better than I remember. So I think because what I best know him from is SNL, this character gets dark (laughs) pretty quickly. And I think the first time I watched it, I just had trouble buying him in that even though he was doing a good job, I had trouble buying him like that because I only knew him as an SNL sketch performer kind of thing. So I wanted to pick somebody who, how can I put this, who I think has some of that darkness in them as a person, <laughs> which oh no. I know. It's Bradley Bradley Cooper. <laughs> you know what? I entertained the idea of Bradley Cooper. Oh, no. But no, 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 it's not. This one was kind of hard for me to cast because first I consider people who have previously given really good dark performances in other movies, but they were all people who I've cast before in repodcasting. And so I just didn't want to like go back to the same well. So, you know, like you've got Jake Gyllenhaal or Christian Bale or Alexander Skarsgård, Joaquin Phoenix, like they'd all be good, but I just, I didn't want to pick like somebody I've already picked before. And then I also considered Ryan Reynolds and Ashton Kutcher. But Honestly, like, because I feel like they can kind of be like smug dicks, <laughs> but mm-hmm. ah, this is going to sound mean, but I don't think either of them are like amazing actors. Although now the person I picked is going to be ridiculous too. <laughs> oh, no. oh, is he alive? <laughs> yes, he's alive. <laughs> oh, yes. Good. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, like they just didn't feel like the right kind of fit. So I landed on Dax Shepard. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's from the TV show Parenthood. He was in Idiocracy, actually, was probably one of his earliest movies. He was in Chips. He was in a movie called Hit and Run. So he's uh, married to Kristen Bell. Um, mm-hmm. And I've listened to a few episodes of his podcast, Armchair Expert. It's like pretty popular. And he tells stories, and I've heard Kristen Bell tell stories as well, of before they were together, he had like some anger issues. And wherever he was, he'd be like ready to get in a fight. And it sounds like she has really helped him kind of like calm down quite a bit. But knowing that that was kind of like in him and also like in Parenthood, for example, that was a dramatic show. And if I remember correctly, his character had substance abuse problems in that. And so like, you know, we've seen him do that. And I feel like he can be a little scary if he wants to be. And I think that that's what that character needs is like you you do have to be scared of him, which Good God, I was absolutely scared of Jason Sudeikis by the end. <laughs> well, I could, yeah, I could see him. He was in 
that. Remember when he was in Baby Mama with Amy Poehler? <laughs> yes. Like his character was such a jerk. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he I, could I channel it exactly. So yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, you know, I didn't like Jason Sudeikis in this role either. Okay. And it's not that I dislike him. I don't. I just think he was the wrong actor mm-hmm. for this role. Like, I thought he was completely miscast. Wow. And I also wasn't feeling any sort of... I don't know if I if I was supposed to feel chemistry between him and Anne Hathaway. <laughs> because I, in doing my research for the movie, I saw a lot of people... By people, I mean movie critics describe this as a type of rom-com what right (laughs) no what i got from it is that he has always been jealous of her so i don't know if he's into her or not because there are moments where it seems like he's jealous of her with other men But I think it's more that he just has a vendetta against her personally, not that he's in love with her or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. But I just didn't think that Jason Sudeikis was right Mm -hmm. for the role. It's interesting that you're saying that you felt scared of him in the role, like you felt scared of his performance, because the more he tried to be scary, the more comical it seemed to me. I don't buy Jason Sudeikis as someone that is supposed to instill fear in me as a, in your audience or whatever. I just always associate him with that type of comedy that he does. Yeah, but so that's what I felt. Like, that's what he excels at. But I, like, I didn't feel that he was convincing So that's interesting because that is exactly how I felt the first time I saw it. And then, what do you, sorry, how did you feel the first time you saw it? That he was the wrong choice, that he wasn't scary, that it was comical more than Mm -hmm. frightening. Oh, okay. But somehow this second time watching it, it it was completely turned around for me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, so I didn't like him. And also, I was so, I was so puzzled by this Oscar character. And like yeah. these are issues that I have with the script, but we can get into that a little bit later. <laughs> but this character, you know, initially when we meet him, he seems like this very unassuming sort of guy, right? Yep. This unassuming, nice dude who owns this bar. And then it's like the character arc really confuses me because he goes from zero to obsessive sociopaths yeah. very quickly. Right, right. It almost feels like there's no buildup to it. It's just like suddenly he's this obsessive, abusive, murderous sociopath. <laughs> and it's like, what happened in between? How did he get to that point so fast? Like, I understand that he obviously has his own substance abuse issues as well right Mm -hmm. the way that character is written I felt like there were too many holes there but anyway I think the person that I selected I've seen him do it in other roles like that that like darkness Uh, I think he could have maybe played it 
in a more convincing way mm-hmm. so that the change from like being a nice guy or a supposed nice guy to like this abusive sociopath, it would have felt more organic maybe with this actor. So I went with Dean DeHaan. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> for anybody, he does dark, like, super well. And I, I don't understand why Dean DeHaan is not a bigger star than he is, because I think he's excellent. But for anyone who doesn't maybe recognize his name, he... I feel like a lot of people might remember him. He played Harry Osborn in Amazing Spider-Man 2, the one with Andrew Garfield. Mm. He was also in Kill Your Darling. Mm-hmm. That's an independent movie. Maybe a lot of people haven't seen that, but he was excellent in that. I thought he was really good. And there was another movie that he did, and it was it's an old movie. Oh. And it had like a like almost like a sci-fi supernatural spin to it, and I can't remember the name of it. But is it Michael B. Jordan is in it as well? Oh, I was gonna say, is it Valerian and the Thousand Planets or whatever that's no, called? It's no, it's like it's an older movie, but it's excellent. And I can't for the life of me remember the name of it. I forgot to write it down. But that was the first time that I sort of saw him in a role where, you know, he played someone who has like that darkness in him and he just played it so, so well. And you're watching him and you get that sense of like foreboding, like that fear. He like makes your skin crawl. And yeah, I think he does that really well. I think he would have been a good Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good pick. And I also tried, sorry, Lucia, sorry, just to say, I also was thinking about chemistry. I mean, I don't know how he would be with Evan Rachel Wood, but they're both such good actors. I would love to have seen how that played out on screen, how they played opposite one another. I think that would have been pretty cool. Okay. What I was going to say is the movie is called Chronicle. That's it. Yes. And Michael B. Jordan is so good in it, too. It's such a good movie. I would recommend that to you, Lucia, and to anyone who's listening. Like, it's definitely one of those movies that you don't hear much about, but it should be, like, on your your list. Okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. Dane DeHaan is very good at being scary. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, good pick. Okay, well, so we've got our casting. I did want to mention that this movie premiered at TIFF, uh, Toronto International Film Festival, in September 2016. And it was filmed in and around Vancouver. Uh, yeah. And Seoul, the, the scenes in Seoul were filmed in Seoul. And right. it was initially supposed to be Tokyo. But at a screening at Cannes, the director mentioned like he said something along the lines of this is like the cheapest Godzilla movie ever and then it was partially in Tokyo and the copyright holders of Godzilla Toho they sued (laughs) yeah so yeah there was a bit of controversy surrounding surrounding that Mm -hmm. but one thing I found while I was watching it because I didn't really know anything about it the one thing that sort of popped into my mind while I was watching it, I thought to myself, oh, this is a total film festival movie. Like, this is the kind of movie that does the film festival circuit. Yeah. It's that type of movie. Yeah. And you know what? I agree with you. And so 
you're right that 15 million is pretty high. <laughs> yeah, for, I don't know. I mean, though, that obviously was for the filming in Seoul <laughs> and for Anne Hathaway's salary. <laughs> and maybe the, uh, the settlement, the lawsuit settlement is included in there too. <laughs> I don't know, because to me, 15 million, I was really surprised oh, when I saw that. I mean, obviously it's the, a lot of it, I'm sure too, is the animation, right? Yeah. Or whatever this the CGI creature, stuff. that monster is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure those shoots got expensive. Yeah. In Seoul. Yeah. Well, I liked it. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to get into a little more like, because to say you didn't like it is one thing, but to say it's unwatchable, I, I am curious as to like what you found so offensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the whole premise of the movie, I get what you're saying when you say that it's definitely weird. Mm -hmm. It's different for sure. Mm -hmm. So I get that that might be the appeal of it. But to me, I was just watching it and I was like, the whole premise of this movie is completely absurd. Like, I just couldn't get on board with it. I understand that it's supposed to be independent and different. I'm fully aware of that. But I just thought the whole thing was absurd. The okay. whole premise is just absurd. And it was, to me, it became really unwatchable because there was just so many things that didn't work for me. Like the casting wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. The script started to not work for me either. Mm. There were a lot of plot holes because we never understand Oscar's character. Like he is obsessed with Gloria's character mm -hmm. but then that obsession quickly morphs into like suddenly he becomes really abusive yeah and just like psychotic in a sense and you're like where did this come from I, I don't understand like he seemed to like her he seemed to have like genuine affection for her I don't understand how it morphed into this I was confused that was something that I didn't feel was I don't know, so, explained or I didn't understand that relationship and that whole arc. I didn't get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then, I think that's fair. I think, um, I don't know, maybe I'm filling in some gaps myself or, you know, you do have to kind of make some leaps and bounds here and there. But near the end, because, you know, they've known each other forever and as you try to kind of figure out why they were both on that site when they were little kids, it's only at the very end that you see that he kind of like ran over to grab her diorama or whatever you call that. It looked like he was going to help her and then he stomps all over it. So I feel like that now it comes near the end of the movie. So maybe they've already lost your trust by that point. But it's like saying, oh, look, they've always had this relationship but she has been in such a fog because at some points too, it feels like he's really gaslighting her because he's like, oh, you asked me for this last night. You asked me for this last night. And because she gets blackout drunk, you just kind of trust that, okay, she asked for him to bring her a futon last night. Yeah, but I don't know. It was, to me, that's issues with the script and the way they've developed it and the way they've developed the characters. Mm-hmm. I also found that at one point, like, you're 
you realize that she's the monster. Okay, we get it. But then there's almost like this lull. It's like, well, where is this going? Let's get to the climax of the movie. At one point, it started to lose my attention. It started to feel boring. It's like, well, where is this going? Why is this story like, let's pick up the pace on this. So I don't know. It just, I get what you're saying about the metaphors for the alcoholism and the drinking. Like, I can see that, I can understand that, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's almost like it's trying too hard to mm. be clever. Okay. All right, well. If that makes sense. It does. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I almost, I don't know if it would make a difference, but I almost want to, like, get you to watch it again. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, okay. No, I'm not watching this again. (laughs) You know what? I could sit through this movie again, and I'm telling you, I would think the same thing. I would still have the same issues with it. Like, I watched it. I was paying attention. Like, it's like, yeah. No, no, it's not about whether someone's paying attention or not. I find that there are times where if something's like a little too odd or I don't know where it's going... But then I watch it another time later where I do have that idea of where it's going that I can then see different things in it. But anyway, that's fine. You won't watch it again. (laughs) Okay. Well, the ratings for this movie, the critic ratings were pretty high. On IMDb, it has a 70% from 38 critics. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 81% from 261 reviewers. So it was overall pretty well received critically. But the I didn't write it down, but the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was like 25% or something like it just, it was not liked by audiences. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I read a few reviews of the movie. And I was like, I was baffled by some of the praise that the critics were lobbing at it I was just like okay I don't know I don't share that opinion but that's fine I think it also came out at a time when it was just all the same garbage every movie was the same you know who I actually felt really sorry for in this movie was Dan Stevens (laughs) because Dan Stevens is such a good actor and it was like poor guy you know like he's so wasted in this movie he plays like her boyfriend Tim. oh that's dan stevens okay he really doesn't get to you don't see him really showcase what he can do as an actor in this movie he just sort of gets lost in the fray you know what they should have cast him as oscar never mind he would have been a good oscar because i've seen enough of dan stevens work now that Mm. I think he could play a dark character like that Mm. and yeah and he would have been British so it would have made him even scarier (laughs) if he'd have the British accent (laughs) I thought he was good in this because one thing that I liked about his character arc I guess is that initially she comes off as such a mess and he comes off as somebody who's just like fed up and so he doesn't seem like a bad guy he doesn't seem like he's bad for her necessarily either but then as the movie progresses you're like oh this guy kind of wants to control her too not in the same way that Sudeikis does but yeah he's not good for her either (laughs) so I don't know okay well let's take our second break and then we will return for our final segment 
This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Everyone wants to feel a sense of belonging. Now, more than ever, we are united by a desire to take action and help others by creating a community built on kindness and compassion. From small creative projects to larger citizen-led initiatives, the Calgary Foundation provides grassroots grants to encourage and support people who want to create and strengthen bonds between neighbors and communities. If you've got an idea to improve, enhance, or vitalize your community or neighborhood, visit calgaryfoundation.org to find out more about the Foundation's grant opportunities and visit the Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. And now back to the show. And now it is time for... Oh, it didn't play. (laughs) What's it time for, Lucia? It's time for... Hold me close, young Tony Danza. (laughs) It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. So uh, this one was a challenge for me today. (laughs) Oh, no, really? Yeah, it was. Did you you find it easy? Well, I mean, it was just a matter of sticking him in one of these roles. (laughs) Oh, no. I didn't give it much thought, to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So who did you land on? No, you go first. Okay, okay. Well, I thought he could... This is the first time I've done this, I'm pretty sure. I thought he could be either <laughs> Garth, who is the friend with the coke addiction. Right. Or Oscar. Oh, would you cast him as Oscar, really? I would like to see Tony kind of veer into territory that we've never seen him in. Yeah. I don't know if Tony could pull off playing Oscar. I know I sh- that's blasphemy <laughs> to say that. But I just, I couldn't, I definitely didn't think of putting, casting him as Oscar. Is it just like, too dark for Tony? I think so, yeah. That's fair. All right. Well, who did you decide to cast him as? I cast him in the Dan Stevens role. I cast uh-huh. him as Tim, her British boyfriend, except Tony wouldn't be British. Tony <laughs> would be like from Brooklyn. <laughs> okay. Her Brooklyn boyfriend. I mean, they were in New York. <laughs> her Brooklyn boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. It would be perfectly understandable. You know, because he, yeah, definitely you could say that, especially when he shows up later in the movie and is trying to get her to go back to New York with him. Yeah. You could perceive that as, yes, he's trying to be controlling. I don't know if he's trying to control her so much as maybe he's just trying to help her. I don't know. In comparison to the Jason Sudeikis role, I I felt that he was trying, like he had her best interests, I think, Maybe it just wasn't coming across that way. I don't know. But anyway, I could see Tony in that role, trying to be helpful and mm-hmm. trying to to guide her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Aw, t- Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I think but Tony's... Yeah, I definitely, I was just like, uh, I don't particularly like any of these characters. Where am I going to put poor Tony? Yeah, you know what, that is something where I could see that being a turnoff to a lot of people where there's not really any character worth rooting for in this movie. Oh, they're all highly unlikable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Well, oh, I forgot to ask you before we started recording, Janet, but I think you have our next movie selected already. Oh, Lucia, do I ever. (laughs) This is payback for making me watch this. Oh, no. (laughs) Is it a three-hour epic? No, no more (laughs) three-hour movies. I don't want to do that to you or to any of our listeners. Okay. So next month's movie is a romantic comedy. And it can be found on Netflix, Uh so it's accessible, and it's called Love Wedding Repeat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wow. We are going to have so much fun talking about that movie. I can see it and hear it now, so... I picked something light as well, since it's going to be for July. It's like a a fun summer movie. Think of it that way. Okay. You're not kidding, though. You really are trying to get back at me. (laughs) 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 Okay. Well, then, please, dear listener, watch Love Wedding Repeat and recast along with us. If you have any suggestions or comments on our episode, we actually haven't heard anything about your feelings on casting dead people. So I might throw a poll up on Twitter. (laughs) I will say this for anyone who watched this movie, Colossal, if you actually enjoyed the movie, please let us know because I'm so curious. Like I know Lucia liked it, but I want to hear if you liked it, Tell us why. I'm so curious yeah. as to why people would like this movie. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you can send us an email at repodcasting at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at repodcasting. Janet, I'm sorry I made you watch this movie. And thank you as always for joining me. Thanks, Lucia. Bye. Bye.